What community sounds like? Stay open. Hey guys, this is Chris from Tap the Craft. I want to tell you about a new partner that we have for the show, B-Cups. B-Cups is the world's first line of style-specific beer cups for people on the go. Whether by the beach, pool, hiking, or on the boat, B-Cups are great for any place you can't use glassware. They're dishwasher-safe, lightweight, BPA-free, recyclable, and so clear that they often get mistaken for glass. They come as four packs on Amazon.com, but two packs and variety packs are available on their website at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S dot net. Go check it out. Hello, craft beer friends, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 1 of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, the Wales bro from Tampa, Florida, Mr. Chris McKenzie. How are you doing? What is in your glass? And will you please introduce our guest? Absolutely. So tonight, uh, I'm doing uh, pretty damn good. Uh, in my glass tonight, I have something... I was really excited to get a hold of. It's called Dessert Station, the Cherry Amaretti Cookie. Mm -hmm. And that is from Corporate Ladder Brewing in Palmetto, Florida. And I'm currently sitting inside of Corporate Ladder Brewing because we're here talking to the owner and head brewer, uh, Mr. Blake. Hi, how are you guys? Good, good. So I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule, especially after you got just got done uh, you know, closing down shop for the night. And I know you're probably tired, but I really appreciate you taking uh, the, the time and effort to come on and talk about Corporate Ladder Brewing because ever since Chris mentioned this brewery, it really intrigued me. So I went and checked you guys out before uh, we actually got to go ahead to have you come talk to us. And I was I was really interested in uh, in finding out about, about how you, why you started this brewery and how uh, it came about. But we don't want to give away all the secrets. We want to keep people listening. So we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But welcome, Blake. Uh, what is in your glass? Are you drink the same thing as Chris? No, I actually have a new New England IPA that we just put on tap called Disco Balls in Space. That's Ooh. what I am currently imbibing. Okay. All right. So what? how did you come up with this name, Disco Balls in Space? What's, uh, what's the so uh, process? This that was, that was probably the wrong question to ask. This is a long <laughs> story. So... We'll have a part two of this podcast coming out next week. Okay. Um, uh, so this is a New Zealand-inspired IPA. It's all New Zealand hops. Uh, New Zealand a year ago, um, almost to the day, about a year, year and a month ago, launched their first rocket into space. And hidden among it, they launched a literally four-foot-wide disco ball uh, <laughs> that they... They coined the Humanity Star, and it was for no purpose other than to be visible from space and to unite the, the world. In oh, wow. Something. And so uh, there's a longer story involving our family kind of following celestial events for, for decades and planning, you know, us in Florida and Virginia and Massachusetts and Maine being able to watch the same same event at the same time. Long story short, they never worked out. It was always a miserable epic failure with oh. you know, cloud cover everywhere and never <laughs> never worked. 
So when we saw this coming, it was like it was made for our family. And uh, we had a lot of fun leading up to it. Of course, uh, our visual inspection of this was also a major failure. But I vowed to to have that humanity start live on and name a beer called Disco Balls in Space. Okay. And we uh, we brewed it with all New Zealand hops. It's mostly Nelson Savin and a bunch of bunch of other New Zealand hops, uh, Wakato and Motueka and and other things, but uh, it's it's pretty delicious. Oh, nice, nice. Is this a beer you plan on re- releasing over and over, or is it a one-off uh, beer? Uh, sure, no, we'll definitely we'll definitely brew it again. I mean, so we don't have any cores. We don't have any core beers that we brew all the time, and oh. beers that that are always around. Um, so we kind of brew what we want. Um, obviously, popular beers we brew more often, and so we. Uh, we will definitely do something like this. Um, a lot of it depends on the hops that we can get our hands on at the time. And so, you know, we'll definitely do iterations that are very, very similar. Uh, it might change a little bit every yeah. time when we make it, uh, but that's part of the fun. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I Actually, there's not very many breweries, well, there's not very many breweries that I've come across that pretty much just, like, you know, don't have a, a, a set of core beers, whether it's at least one beer they always produce or three or, or maybe four to five I mean, that's pretty uh, uh, ambitious of you guys to always be wanting to, you know, put out new, exciting variants of beers that you've done in the past. But again, I don't want to ruin the questions we have for you later in the show. So don't answer any questions. I just want to say that's uh, pretty (laughs) impressive, pretty impressive for sure. Well, Denny, uh, and what about you? How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just uh, got done having an early dinner with my son and his girlfriend and, and my wife, and we I barbecued some chicken. And it actually, you know, whenever you have someone new coming over to your house, uh, the last thing you want to do is barbecue something like chicken, right? Because when, <laughs> it never fails. It's not going to be done. It's going to be kind of, you know, might be pink or might burn. I mean, chicken's a hard thing to barbecue. But you know what? I nailed this chicken. It was absolutely wonderful. And, uh, and although it's like a hundred degrees out there, so out there with the barbecue going, uh, I was a little bit sweaty, but I am partaking in a, a nice cold beverage. Uh, and I'm drinking, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you, you know, beers in space. Uh, and I'm drinking a beer from Nankasi Brewing. And if you're familiar with, uh, with, with their little space epic uh, journey, they have launched yeast into space. And uh, have brewed beers with it, and I've had the beers before. They're pretty good. I don't think the the, the space yeast adds anything special, but it is kind no. of a <laughs> it, it is kind of a, a gimmicky thing. But again, something that I followed along with the rocket launch. They had videos of it and stuff. It was kind of cool. I watched them. Uh, I watched the return back uh, down to the Earth, and they they went ahead and opened it up, and it was kind of cool. But this isn't that beer. This is uh, Ninkasi's Prismatic Juicy IPA. Uh, I drink this beer in. Uh, large quantities because it's super, super drinkable, uh, yeah. and I, I just love it. So I got a six pack of this, and and I'm I'm uh, partaking uh, to make sure I stay hydrated for the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you the I'll give you the secret for barbecuing chicken, Denny. Okay, it's gonna be start it in the oven, <laughs> get it to mostly done, then finish it and on just the grill. Finish it? Is that 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 seems like it's cheating, though? It is. It is. It is. Okay. But if you put barbecue sauce on a grill, you're just asking to burn stuff. Yeah, that's true. But I don't put the barbecue sauce on until like at the end. So, uh, 
it just puts it on there. It gets it, you know, nice and uh, I just get it where it gets caramelized and kind of mm-hmm. sticky, and then I pull it back off. So it's not okay. not too burnt, but yeah, it, it really turned out well. So I felt I felt yeah. pretty proud of myself. All right, well, hey, we're having a great time chatting, but before we get too far into the show, I want to let everyone know what Tap the Craft podcast is all about, in case they're new to the show. And we are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to help people along in their craft beer journey and i think that this episode i'm hoping will help people along especially if you're interested maybe in opening a craft brewery so we've got some expert on the show to help us with that you're listening to episode 131 and this is the first episode of season six yes we are now starting our sixth year of tap to craft podcast i can't believe i've been doing it for this long but and I can't believe we still have so many listeners out there listening. Well, I can't believe it because we're pretty damn We didn't damn scare good. them off. Yeah, we didn't scare them <laughs> off yet. But we're, Congratulations. We're, yeah, well, thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, and we're recording on Sunday, July 21st, 2019. And in this episode, we will, of course, be interviewing Blake. Again, he's from Corporate Ladder Brewing Company out of Palmetto, Florida. We want to find out why... He kicked the corporate ladder to the curb in order to focus on brewing beer because this is what everyone wants to do. You know, we want to be tied down to that corporate ladder. We want to just be able to kick it away, but we don't have the balls to do it. You know what? But Blake did. I want to find out about that. So we'll be interviewing Blake a little bit later. And also, I wanted to, I found an article that was released a couple of days ago discussing how a Pacific Northwest brewery shifted gears in order to navigate around the challenging uh, environment of uh, of craft beer distribution. I mean, we we know that craft beer has been growing very, very rapidly. And I, I'm also looking forward to hearing Blake's take on this story and see if he has uh, any similar uh, uh, thought process in it. But it's a, it's, a, it's a good story. You know, we've been talking a lot about how the changing environment has been affecting breweries and how craft beer pr- production has been affected. Uh, and now I want to make sure we, we also talk about the good the good story. So this will be a good article for us to discuss a little bit later also. And, of course, you can count on some great beer conversation along the way. So, Chris, uh, what do you think? Do you want to do a little bit of our uh, what people are drinking on Untapped? Or? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, – well, I guess I don't have to go back too far. I'm going to go back. Let's start – if I go back 24 hours ago, there's a lot of beers. Yeah, in LA. Let, let's not do too much because we do have a, a pretty big show planned. So I don't yeah. want to carry on too far. Okay, well we'll start. Let's go with. Oh, this is perfect. So we'll start out with um, about nine hours ago. Okay. Um, so Leon, which is the guy that you and I both know, Blake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leon Nalt uh, is here in the Tampa, Florida area. <clears throat> and he is drinking a After Dinner Decadence by Hidden Springs Aleworks, which is a beer that just got released, uh, I believe it was on Saturday, um, that I did not go stand in line for because I had adult things to do. I <laughs> um, <laughs> gave no notes no uh, no notes or no rating on that one, but it's a barrel-aged Imperial S'mores stout with marshmallow, chocolate, graham cracker, coffee, and something else I can't read on the label because it's mm. a little too small. Uh, but that sounds pretty tasty. Yeah. Um, moving on up to Amanda Argauer is drinking Strawberry Falls by 11th Hour Brewing at Bar Simon. I would imagine Bar Simon is Michael Simon's place in Cleveland. Um, and she writes, this would be a hit for most hit and miss. Wait, this would be a, quote, hit 
for the most hit and miss brewery of all time. Uh, so Bar, <laughs> Bar Simon, uh, it's an American, American restaurant um, in the airport. Oh, so she's flying somewhere mm. uh, to the airport in Pittsburgh. Uh, she gave this one four caps, though. So I guess we'll have to see what the hit and miss is all about um, when we get her on here. Okay. Uh, Leon is, again, drinking uh, a Ghost in the Machine by Great beer. Parish Brewing. Great. It's not the same, not the same parish here, is it? No. Okay. Uh, that's uh, just outside of New Orleans. Oh, that kind of parish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, gave that one four caps, but no notes on it. And then he's also drinking a Bloom by Parish Brewing. Gave that one four and a quarter caps. <laughs> um, Jim Kudzal is drinking the King's Wife by Tuxent Brewing in Waldorf, Maryland. So. Down in my old neighborhood. Uh, he writes, at the brewery, looks like unfiltered apple cider. Three and three quarters caps on that one. <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder what the king's wife was, though. <laughs> uh, the king's wife is an IPA, New England IPA. So I guess unfiltered apple cider isn't too far off. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tara is drinking the same thing. Uh, she writes, this is the one I've been waiting for, and I'm not disappointed. Oh. Really hitting the spot on this hot, hot day. And grand opening weekend, I guess that's at Patuxent Brewing. Okay. Uh, she gave it four and a quarter caps. So, to my understanding, everybody's experiencing a heat wave yes. uh, around the country right now. It's just we're just having another day. Uh, <laughs> actually, last night or yesterday, we were sitting in uh, the high seventies towards oh, the late wow. afternoon. It was freaking. That's because wonderful. it rained. I know. Torrentially. It was, it was oh. wonderful. So it, didn't, it wasn't like it was nice. Like. <laughs> It, it, it was nice for, <laughs> before it started raining. Uh, Kyle Lilly, he's drinking the Modelo Especial. <laughs> and he writes, when it's over 100 degrees with the heat index by the pool, this beer is hard to beat. Uh, three and a quarter caps on that one. Robbie is drinking a Reef Donkey by Tampa Bay Brewing Company. He hmm. came to visit us here in the uh, Tampa Fort Myers area. He's checking out Sanibel Island, which is just a little south of us here. You're right, sitting on the beach in Sanibel Island. Very good American Pale Ale. I judge American Pale Ales on the finish, on, and this is so smooth. I'd agree with him. That's a pretty good beer. I like that one myself. Tampa Bay Brewing Company is a cool cool little place. We mm-hmm. actually, we're going to be doing a collab with them coming out this October. So oh, we're excited nice. about that. Well, that's good. I was just there two weeks ago for dinner. They make good food, too. Uh, David Campbell, drinking a Big Life Tropical Lager by Big Top Brewing Company. And no notes or no, or ratings on that one. So on to the next one. And Mike Allen. So Mike got your got your message the other day that we want to make sure that we understand that you're not an alcoholic. So Blake, every time we read um, these, Mike normally has a bottle share within 24 hours of us recording, and it's just him, just Mike, 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 and then yeah, well, like he's nine some good beer. Yeah, nine yeah, or yeah. ten beers. He's Checking <laughs> so, so, Mike, we know you're not an alcoholic. You just have some fun with your beer. All right. Uh, he's drinking Nevada Country Strong by Grass Valley Brewing Company. Um, gave that one three caps. Doesn't doesn't really have anything else other than that on there. Uh, Kyle Lilly is drinking Sour Me Carolina by Duclaw Brewing Company. Uh, he says, the more I drink this, the more I like it. Great sour with a hint of heat. Still wish it had a little more heat from the Carolina Reaper. Gave that one four and a quarter caps on mm. that one. Uh, Robbie is drinking High Five by Fort Myers Brewing Company. This thing is awesome. Gave that one four caps. Uh, moving on up to Johan Hallberg drinking Summerize by his brewery, Introvert Brewing. Mm. 
And he writes, hoppy American wheat, still a bit young and grassy, but quite drinkable. Mm. Oh, somebody's drinking some angry chair stuff. Oh. Uh, David Campbell drinking basic arithmetic. That beer came out a long time ago. Well, maybe not according to that. Just released it. Yes. Oh, I had a can of it a long time ago. Anyway, um, no notes or rating on that one. I remember that one. That was a good beer. So mm. that's my rating on that one. Um, Art Warcheck drinking a gin barrel saison by Herman Thrush Brewing, or brewery at North North Phil Harmstead. I almost kind of confused that, thinking that was going to be. I don't even know what it is. Okay, <laughs> North Phil Harmstead. Oh, it's the Cultural Center in Akron, Ohio. Okay, ah. I didn't know what that place was. Uh, he just writes Happy Saison Sunday, three and three quarters caps. Um, Jeff Seiler. It's drinking Citra Quench by Heist Brewery. Absolutely delicious. One of the best New England IPAs I've ever had. Heist Brewery, great stuff. Mm. Four and three-quarter caps on that one. Um, Kyle Lilly, he's at Royal Docks Brewing again. Uh, oh right, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> drinking Pab's Creamery Cherry Vanilla. And he writes, dessert beer if I've ever had one. Solid stout with a kick of cherry and vanilla. Great beer to end the day. Gave that one four caps. Um, Jeff Seiler again, Citra Kiss by Southern Pines Brewing Company. Great hazy IPA, citrusy, hoppy, and sweet. Very nice. Four and a quarter caps on that. Um, Johan Halberg again is drinking Population 3. And I can't pronounce who that brewery is by. Um, <laughs> he just writes lots of mango, tropical flavors, pine, and balanced bitterness in the finish. Four caps on that one. Um... Everybody's going to be confused, Denny, because we uh, we we're recording a day earlier. Yeah, so. they're going to be they're going to be upset that uh, they missed out. That's okay. <laughs> we'll just make sure everybody's on their toes and they continue to check in. Uh, Chad Lamasa is drinking Troubles Melt Like Lemon Drops by Duclaw Brewing Company. He writes definitely lemony, decent amount of tartness. Gave that one four caps. Uh, David Makazuki is drinking Kinru Blue by Brewery Martins. Nice initial flavor, but falls off from there. Three and three quarters caps. And then he had a Sapporo premium beer, three and a quarter caps on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, three, wait, my last, three and a quarter, huh? It's, it's, three, it's and above, a, three and a quarter. Way, way above average. Okay. I know. <laughs> I think, I think if I remember correctly, Dave's a little stingy with his, uh, with his ratings. Oh, uh, well, yeah. But still for Sapporo, that's not bad. Yeah. And then Stephen Brown is drinking a home style. By Bearded Iris Brewing. Our boy. Yeah. Nice. And uh, and Stephen Stephen and Leon, uh, we talked about them a couple episodes ago and their beer trading habit. Ah, so, yes, yes. Um, but he gave that one four caps, no notes on that one, and that's what everybody is drinking. Wow. Refresh. Make sure nobody else had anything. Oh look. Oh geez. No. We had a couple more. I really? needed to refresh. Yeah, because oh Robert, chew your beer. Oh, yeah. What's Robert yeah, drinking? He's drinking a Mo Mobius by Omnipollo. Or Omnipolo. Mm. Oh, my Spanish kicks in. I can't pronounce <laughs> those two L's together without saying Pollo. Uh, hoppy Bitterness. Love how easy it drinks. Four and three quarters caps. Uh, nice. David Makazuki again, drinking the Sugar Shack Maple Stout by Third Street Brew House. Oh. He just writes, last one. Uh, four caps on that one. And Allison is drinking a peeper by Main Beer Company. I love Main Beer Company. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Gave that one four and a half caps. So that one, Allison's, was nine minutes ago. And now I'm done. Okay. 
Wow. So Blake, did you realize that we had so many listeners, not only around the country, so you had all kinds of variety of, of beers we talked about, but also around the world because we had some that were over in Sweden. Oh, yeah. Johan. Yeah. For, for sure. That's that's pretty cool to see. Uh, <laughs> and some some solid beer being being consumed mm-hmm. at the yeah. moment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty good. Okay. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit, Blake, if you have anything to talk about. If not, don't worry about it. But we like to go ahead and share any uh, events like beer events, whether it's a festival or just a brewery you visited, or just something uh, noteworthy about uh, about some beer stuff. Have you had anything where you went to a you know a festival lately, or or, or another brewery or anything? So I own and operate a brewery, which means I don't get to do anything. True, true. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's why I figured. Okay, well then but, uh, we actually we're 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 doing this upcoming week. We are hanging with our boys uh, and girls down at Three Bridges in Venice, and they're going to be hosting a little beer dinner, and we're doing a beer dinner pairing with them. Oh, nice. So we're going to be bringing down some uh, some of our beer. They'll have a couple of their beers uh, paired, and they have an amazing chef down there uh, who's putting out a cool little thing. So I'm looking forward to that event that's coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of outside of that, uh, it's been kind of normal. We had a big tiki event here last yeah, last week, I, so I was just going to ask you about that. Yes, talk about it. Yeah, talk about kind the, of uh, tiki witch. <laughs> yeah, oh, neat, yeah. <laughs> neat little concept for us. It was something really different. Um, so we brought a traditional cocktail artist in um, to the brewery, and uh, she specializes in tiki style drinks. Uh, we make a lot of uh, quote unquote like tiki style sours, and so we thought like how cool. Let's collab with her. So we did. Uh, we actually collab with her, and we made a couple of beers um, based off of some recipes and things uh, along with her. But then she also came out and she made five different drinks that she used our a, a base Berliner uh, and some fortified wine products and, and things, and actually mixed beer tales. So cocktails made with our beer mm-hmm. uh, right here. I uh, went off with. I think it was really well received. I mean, they tasted absolutely delicious. They're they were phenomenal nice as far as tiki drinks go so it was pretty cool so we're gonna be doing that again next month because it was really popular and we want to play with her and she's rad and we enjoyed it so uh, but it's something pretty pretty interesting and different than what we typically do so it was pretty cool yeah yeah i i saw the the photos and 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 the different posts and i thought that was pretty cool i i love the whole um you know the whole uh ideal of it i mean i just really i, I enjoy beer cocktails uh, and I like tiki drinks, so you mix the two together, and it sounds like, I mean, like a perfect mix, especially when you have, uh, you know, some tiki-type beers that you make. Uh, yeah, why not? I like that. I, I also noticed one other thing that I really, really appreciate. It seems like every Monday is Appreciation Day for the military teachers and, what am I leaving out? There's three... three first uh, responders First as responders, well, yeah. yeah. So I really appreciate that. I mean... Of uh, me being former military, and I know that uh, I, you know I would really appreciate that when I was in the, the military. If I uh, got a discount, it's always nice to have a, a little discount. And of course, my daughter, she's a teacher, and uh, and she appreciates a discount because you know teachers don't make a lot of money, so every little bit they can uh, save on on getting that good quality craft beer really helps a lot. <laughs> well, first, thank you for your service, and and we kind of agree, and that's why we do it. And we're not alone in in doing anything like this. I think. What's really cool is that I think just far and wide within our industry, uh, we're, we're pretty appreciative of the other work that people do for our community uh, and the way that they help our communities. And 
we have a simple way where we can give back. And so, you know, whenever we can do that, we want to. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, Chris. So guess what? You have an event you want to talk about. I can't wait to hear it. I did. So I was fi- I finally got to go and visit the now closest brewery to my house, mm. uh, which is Three Bulls Brewery and Tavern. Sadly, uh, they don't have any beer on tap yet. None of their own, <laughs> at least. They have plenty of guest taps, um, but they're, they're in the works of getting all that up and running. So uh, a friend of mine named Tracy, uh, she... Uh, her and her husband own a few restaurants in the area, and then she has been a huge home brewer for quite a while. And uh, she finally wanted to take her talents and move it to the professional side and open this place called Three Bulls Brewery and Tavern uh, right in the, the Brandon Valrico area in, uh, in Brandon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got to go over there, and they have a really good menu, some great food. Uh, and they had some really good beers on tap. Um, I had the, uh, the Trapel Carmelite. Uh, oh, Trapel Carmelite, yes. Yeah, and that was that was just great because I don't see that too often, mm-hmm. and um, it's a good solid beer. Oh yeah. To have. Yeah. Um, but they had um, that Sea Quench on tap too, which. <laughs> so you had a few of those. Yeah, well, no, Megan did. <laughs> um, and and I was I'm with John on that one. Um, that uh, I, it's got that that character to it. Mm. That that vomit smell character yeah. to it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a little harsh for me. She loved it. Um. So good for her. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I was just happy to get over there. It was. Um. They've been open for three weeks now, barely a month, and I was pretty impressed. They they were running everything. There were no no hangups, no long waits, no. Okay. And the place was pretty busy when we got in there. So congratulations to those guys for opening up. Uh, and Tracy, I'm excited to get some get to try some of your beer here very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Is it in walking distance? Um, if I had to, yes. Okay. Okay. So if push comes I, to shove, you could walk there and back. Yeah. I, I can tell you it's under two miles. Oh, yeah. That's walkable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's like I have three or four turns and I'm at home. So. <laughs> that works out perfect. <laughs> yeah. So Denny, tell me about uh, tell me about what you did. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the last episode, we had to record a little bit early because we were going to uh, Oregon uh, to visit my family. We went to the Portland uh, Salem area for four days, and uh, on driving through there from Boise, uh, you have two ways of going. You can go through Bend, which is through the middle of Oregon, and, and up to to Salem and, and Portland, or you can go straight across Highway 84, which is the fastest way. But there's also a problem. Uh, when you come into Portland, you fight a lot of traffic right around from like 2 p.m. until 7 p.m. It's just like constant traffic, and it will take you two hours to go seven miles. So I chose to go the scenic route, which takes about another extra hour and a half maybe to go through Bend. But hey, who doesn't want to go through Bend, Oregon and drink some great beer? And so that's what we did. We drove through Oregon. You make a good point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way, you know, I I justify it. Now, I could have visited a couple breweries I haven't visited there yet. But why do that when Boneyard Beer, which is one of my my favorite breweries, they opened a new tap room and restaurant so that we could actually stop and eat – and drink instead of just stop and drink. So it really worked out well. So we, we visited their, their new tap room and they actually had a number of beers 
on tap that I hadn't tried before because they don't uh, they'll distribute. I might I might be able to get a keg here in, in the Boise area once in a while if if uh, the growler guys actually uh, get something special. But most of their beer uh, is not leaving at least not not coming into Boise, so I have to go travel to get it. Uh, but hey, I stopped and and enjoyed some beer, so I wanted to talk about a few of these beers that we tried. Now I tried some other ones that I didn't log because you know my rule is if I don't have at least a taster of it, I'm not going to log it. Uh, I did I did try. Uh, a number of other ones that my wife and daughter had, um, and they were also very good. But the ones that I really want to talk about, I'm going to start with the Busta, Busta Rye Pale Ale. And everyone who listens to this show for any length of time knows that I love rye in my beer. I love that rye spiciness, that you know, character that the rye gives. And it doesn't matter how much rye. I love a lot of rye. I love just a little hint of it. And this Pale Ale was like loaded with rye and it was really good it it still had that malty uh you know front uh, up front and it had a nice rye spiciness and it had a, a you know a subtle bitterness in the finish but it was mostly just that rye character carrying on to the finish uh, i really enjoyed that i gave that a four cap rating what do you what do you think uh, blake do you like rye in your beer or you kind of stay away from adding rye i like it when it's purposely done and and done well uh we actually we have a secret ingredient in our Czech amber lager um, that is is uh, we use chocolate rye in there. Oh wow! We don't do a lot of like rye PAs, things like that. We've we've brewed one um, since we opened uh, a little West Coast style, uh, which was a pretty pretty neat 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 beer. But we don't, don't do a ton with it unless it's something that is um, you know purposely done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I uh, I just enjoy a good a good rye beer. In fact, they sure. didn't even they didn't even label this one really a pale ale. They 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 called it a pale ale because that's kind of the closest style. But it was really a rye ale, right? It was it, this thing was was like was rye, and and I really liked it. But I can see where some people might be turned off by the by the flavor if they're not used to that uh, that character in, in the beer. But yeah, but I liked it. Um, then they also I had a couple sours. And I know that uh, in Florida, they're all about the the Florida Vice uh, and the sour beers. So you guys probably would appreciate these yourself. I had the Speedy Gozellas. Again, I love beer. <laughs> I, I love I love beer pun names too. So um, this is a, a lime goza, and they brewed this beer to celebrate their ninth anniversary as a brewery. So I thought that was pretty special that I got to try, uh, you know, their ninth ninth anniversary beer, and it was a very good. Lime Goza. Uh, I mean, it had you know had that uh, that tartness that the Goza has with a, that lime character, that, and it had the, the little bit of salinity to kind of mellow it out. Um, I could drink this beer uh, pretty much all summer long. It was really good. Uh, I gave that one a four cap rating too. I really really good. And then the other sour beer I had from them was called the Funky Bunch Raspberry Sour, and uh, th- again this was. A little bit heavier on the the souring, but it wasn't so heavy where it get you know was acidic or gave you any kind of like uh, you know after drinking a, a full glass of it you're gonna have like a, a sour stomach or anything. It was done really well. Uh, the sour didn't linger on or or cause you to pucker too much, and def- definitely didn't melt the enamel off your teeth. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that in a sour where it's not too too uh, too crazy. And I also gave that one a four cap rating, but. The best beer that I had 
when I was at Boneyard Beer this time was not an IPA. I did have a couple IPAs. I didn't even mention those because I, you know, I mention the IPAs all the time because Boneyard makes really good IPAs. But their best beer that I had was their Imperial Stout called Long Boy. And I'll tell you what, everything that I love in a thick, roasty, chocolatey Imperial Stout with a with a with a full heavy body uh, and a viscous like mouth coating uh, feel, man, this thing had it in spades. It was really really good, and I gave that a four and a half cap rating. So Boneyard does a wide variety of styles. I had their Kolsch that was done really well also, um, along with their IPAs. So yeah, that was my my little trip. Now I went to Oregon. I went to Portland. And guess what? You're wondering, that's it? That's all you're going to talk about? You didn't drink a bunch of beer when you're in Portland? I went to visit my family, and that was the focus, was to spend time with them and not go and, and visit a bunch of breweries. So this trip was just about mostly family. I just stopped at the one brewery on the way. We did drink some beers while we were there, but I didn't make it make a point to go and try a bunch of uh, breweries I haven't had in Portland yet. Um, so, yeah, I, I, was, I was being a good son. <laughs> and brother uh, yeah so all right so i talked about a few of my new noteworthy beers now i know blake that because you work at a brewery and you brew beer at your brewery you probably just drink your beer but by any chance do you you know sometimes uh the, you know the wife pick up a, a six-pack or a special beer outside of the brewery that you get to try that you might want to let us know about and, and let our listeners know it might be good uh, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to if you don't want to. I just wanted to give you the opportunity. Throw me on the spot here. I know. Uh, I know. Chris should have warned you. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I, I love good beer, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in the good, the, the beer industry, and that's that's what I like. So, um when I say we've we've had some people bring bring some Trillium in Ooh, uh, that nice. were up in up in Boston last week, uh, so I tried one of their new IPAs, Bumpkin Islands, uh, which is one that I had not had before. Um, had some some Stilling and some other streets that um, I have had, but the Bumpkin was was new, was pretty interesting. Um, I would say not my favorite IPA that they've put out, mm-hmm. but it was definitely different. Um, Know that I just had um, just had a, a Gary barrel aged um, barley wine from oh. uh, from Angry Chair recently. Um, one of those lines that we we did sit in to, oh. to get some beer for. Well, that's the beer that I had brought with uh, with me to Vegas, Denny. And um, oh. that was was exceptional. Really, really, really well done. Um, yeah, I mean, so we're constantly surrounded by beer. Yeah. Um, so you know, we I definitely drink a lot more of my beer than than anything else. Yeah. Of, of late, but uh, yeah, always always looking to drink some good beer. Okay, good, good. I I, I apologize for putting you on the spot because I know it is tough, especially when you're you spend your life at the brewery. It's, it's sometimes sure. hard to get away, but it's nice that you have friends. Or, or patrons that come in and bring beer to you. Another one that I'll toss out there because it sh- it deserves to to be Alice um, from Green Bench. Um, phenomenal, um, phenomenal mixed culture foodie beer that they mm-hmm. they put out. Um, fruited a couple of different ways. Um, 
this this last batch of Alice they put out was phenomenal. Mm. Really, really good. Nice, nice. All right, Chris. How about you? You have a couple of beers here you want to talk about. Yeah, I had a whole two of them. I think um, <laughs> I drank one of them yesterday and the one the day before, two days, three days ago. Uh, so the first one I want to talk about was a it was called Hellboy. Uh, it was a wit beer by Gigantic Brewing Company that uh, I was able to pick up through Tavor. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there's some more gigantic uh, brewing beers in my cooler at home. So I was glad to see those show up. Uh, those always turn out to be really good. But that one was uh, that was definitely a four cap beer uh, that I enjoyed sitting by the pool drinking out of my B cups yesterday. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the next one is one that I know you've had before, just because I drink it all we the talk time. About these guys a lot. Mother <laughs> yeah. Earth Brewing Company. Oh yeah. Uh, their syntax. Their uh, their their peanut butter stout. San Diego in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we talk a lot about Mother Earth Brewing just because, well, I mean, they make some pretty damn good stuff. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah I bought that bottle when I was in Vegas the last time. Uh, so April, I've had that bottle since April. Oh, so wow. Nice. It's time to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have drank it earlier. It's uh, Well. And, and they make it in cans, too. You could have just got a six-pack. Well, when I was at Corey's, in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't have it in cans. It was only in bottles. Okay. So, uh, well, on your next visit, next February, uh, you can grab it a six pack of cans because I'm sure they'll have a cans down there. I hope so because <laughs> I'd much rather tra- much rather travel with the cans than the bottles. Yeah, or, or I could just send you a six pack too. That's always it's always possible. Okay. I, I, I have the. I mean, I drink this beer all the time. Uh, it's uh, it's really good. It's it's. A well done imperial stout. It's actually an imperial stout too, so it's. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah, it's a nice, nice, strong, uh, peanut butter imperial stout. That's not fake peanut butter. I, I think that somehow they make it, the peanut butter flavor with with the with their ingredients, right? Not putting adjuncts in or anything. So, yeah. Oh, you, really? Yeah. Do you? I, I don't know if Blake. Do you have? Uh, is do you know of any kind of uh, materials? That you know, uh, marley barley or, or or you know malt barley's or or something that would give you a peanut butter flavor. Is there a dark malt that will that kind of give off that flavor, or maybe a yeast? So you have to ask him again. He stood up and oh. graciously got us some more beer. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so he's wait, I'm back. <laughs> okay, all right, Blake. Um, so I just mentioned that uh, syntax the is it's a peanut butter imperial stout, and as far as I understand, it's a it's a it's all natural no, there's no adjuncts added there's no peanut butter powder there's no extra extra stuff it's made with with just regular uh, beer making materials you know martin uh, malt and barley uh, whatever is do, do you know is there a malt that uh can, you know, like a dark malt that can give off uh peanut butter flavors or no or, no? no so they're saying there's no they're probably saying no powders no no like pb2 no ex, peanut butter extract do they not use peanuts at all? Like, did they say they didn't use peanuts? I, I don't know. It was my understanding that there was nothing added to it. It was all, it was all, uh, I might be wrong too. I might be wrong. I, I, you know what? Let me investigate that and then I'll get back to you on uh, how they do it because I, I, I think I remember reading something that they, that they didn't add ad- adjuncts to it. They, it was somehow, uh, that, that flavor just came out in, uh, in the, in the materials, uh, the, the regular, uh, mulch they use. So. I'm probably wrong. I do not know of a peanut butter malt. Okay. 
It's coming. It's coming one day. You watch. It's, it's, it might, yeah, it might be proprietary. <laughs> I will tell you that it's extremely difficult to get the, the peanut butter specifically flavor to come through mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, peanut butter is sweet, so it doesn't taste like peanuts, actually. So using peanuts doesn't get you to taste like peanut butter. Yeah. And so there's um, there's some finagling there in order to, to play and get peanuts to taste like peanut butter. Uh, which is impressive in and of itself, mm -hmm. um, but I I do not know of any malt that that comes across like that. Man, I wish I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm probably mistaken, but uh, but I, I'll research it and then I'll make sure that uh, that Chris lets you know what the answer is if there is because it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually reading on their website. It just says the peanut butter is simply featured to augment what is already there. A fans a fantastic example of a legendary beer style. So. Um, compliments of brown sugar and just enough residual sugar to finish full-bodied but never cloying. So, um, so maybe it's just some of that sweetness that they add. That like to, maybe the brown sugar is adding something that kind of uh, uh, gives you that that peanut like that sweetness you'd get from peanut butter. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, and it just says their grain bill is a uh, pale two-row chocolate wheat, roasted barley, flaked oats, chocolate malt, medium crystal, black malt. <laughs> and brown sugar okay. and then the, the so doesn't really mention anything about a uh, peanut butter but on the can it says with natural flavor added so uh, oh <laughs> yeah. yes that's it, probably gonna tell you something yeah okay that's probably it then yeah there's there's probably natural peanut flavored syrup in there <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah okay all right. So, how about some new, uh, noteworthy beers for you, Denny? Yeah, I'll go real quick because I already talked about my Boneyard beer, but I want to talk about some other ones that I that I had that uh, were just you know besides my my trip to Oregon. So I mentioned a while back that I that Boise now is is starting to get very limited quantities of Jester King beers in the big uh, 750 milliliter bottles, and I've only picked up one of the I think there's three different ones that have come in, and the other ones. You know, it didn't really interest me as much as as this one did. And the one I I I, uh, I got and I drank is the Jester King Black Metal Farmhouse Imperial Stout. And this one intrigued me because heck, I love Imperial Stouts, and I enjoy saisons and farmhouse ales. And I thought, wow, this is kind of a a different mix of the of the two styles. Now I've had some, I guess some some stouts that have had some wild yeast kind of added to it that gives it kind of a not really a sour flavor but a you know kind of a funky like a wild character to it um, and I enjoyed it and this is similar to that where um, I it's hard for me to say it's actually sour because it doesn't really taste sour but it gives you the the feeling that it's like you know that that it, that, that the beer kind of went sour right kind of it's not finishing with that uh, with that it, there's, although there is dark roast in there, it's not finishing with that bitterness of the dark roast, you know, the dark malts. It's finishing uh, more with kind of a, a zingy, tangy uh, finish of that either farmhouse or saison yeast. But I'm guessing it's, it must be like a wild yeast uh, strain because it does give you kind of those wild yeasty uh, esters and stuff to it that uh, I really enjoy. Now, I poured a glass for myself because... I didn't want to drink this 750 milliliter bottle by myself. It is 10 point something percent. And I, you know, I didn't want to, you know, get blasted off. Oh, of that's bottle. mild. Come on. Yeah, I know. 
I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just trying to behave myself. So I poured a glass for myself. I poured a glass for my wife. And Chris, you know my wife. She's pretty strict on what, you know, she likes styles to style. She wants her IPA to be more like West Coast IPA where it's got that bitter, you know, it's got the hop character, but it's got that bitter finish. She likes her stouts to have that big, you know, bold, roasty chocolate, uh, you know, coffee chocolate characters and, and finish with that same character. So when it finished with this little tangy, uh, wild character, she's like not having any of that. She took one sip and said, nope, shook her head and went and poured herself an IPA because she, she had enough of that. But so I ended up drinking the whole thing myself and I really enjoyed it. Um, have you, uh, have you had any Jester King? Either of you guys had Jester King beers before? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we get them here pretty regularly, uh, at least around where I am. Okay. Um, and I've actually seen this beer in a couple of bottle shops around us. I never pulled the trigger to get it just because I uh, don't think that that would be a style that I would drink. So it would be Megan would probably want the bottle. I'd probably have a couple of sips off of it and go, yeah, it's not really my thing. You can have it. <laughs> I lately had the opportunity to have an MVB and an atrial. Um, really enjoy Jester King stuff. And we, yeah, when we can get some of their, their good original fruity stuff, we, we definitely do. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, Jester King is one of the, I, I have, uh, for work, I have, you know, I have, my company has a, a manufacturing plant in Austin, Texas. So, I've gone there a couple, uh, I've, well, I've been with my company for 22 years and I've, over that time, I've been to Austin quite a few times, but I haven't had a chance since Jester King has been uh, operating to, uh, to go over and visit their brewery. Uh, it's one of the things I want to do. So definitely in my next trip to Austin, which I don't know if it'll ever be because things are kind of slowing down in, in Texas. But if I do get out there again, I definitely want to take a weekend and, and go visit them and, and try their stuff, uh, you know, from the source of their uh, of their farm, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good experience for my first Jester King beer. I think I'll go ahead and pick up the other bottles that are you know that are around uh, and try them just to say, hey, I, you know, which ones I I like more than the other. Um, but yeah, they're definitely a, a very good brewery. I enjoyed that. Um, another beer I had uh, from Sawtooth Brewing, and Sawtooth Brewing is in Ketchum in the uh, Sun uh, uh, Sun Valley area of, of Idaho. And I've had, we, you know, we, John and I, uh, they sent us some beer to go ahead and, and taste on and do a, uh, some tastings on the air. And John and I did that uh, about th- two and a half, three years ago and uh, enjoyed their beers. Uh, but this one, uh, a friend of mine went to uh, Sun Valley for the weekend and he, he tasted a bunch of beers and said that he knew I would enjoy this one because he knows how much I enjoy brown ales. And this is their Silver Creek brown ale. And I'll tell you what, it was a very well done brown ale. It had some great toffee kind of uh, caramelly uh, character to it. Um, not too, not too, uh, too much of that toastiness, just a little bit of toastiness in there and finished, uh, you know, more on the thinner side, but it had that, that great brown ale character, a little bit of nuttiness to it too. Uh, very good. I really enjoyed that. I gave that a four cap rating. And then one of the beers I had when I was uh, in, in Oregon was uh, Klamath Basin. Black Road Vanilla Porter, and I got this one because my daughter she loves, uh, you know, vanilla, you know, vanilla porters and, and porters and dark beers, uh, you know, she likes all that stuff, and she saw this one and wanted to try it, so we got a, a nice 22 ounce bottle of it and we shared it, and I'll tell you what, it was a very very good vanilla porter. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of of a uh, vanilla flavor with that little bit of a, a chocolate uh, 
character in there also, and if, uh, if it was really good. We both enjoyed that one and gave that a four cap rating too. So across the board, all my beers were four cap ratings uh, in my new Norworthy. Yeah, everybody's was this week. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good, uh, definitely a good uh, beer uh, beer week. All right, so now uh, let's go ahead. We have some feedback from some listeners. I know the last show, last couple of shows, we didn't uh, talk about feedback because we were kind of were uh, putting them out like fast and furious. But I went ahead and, and grabbed some some feedback. Uh, for starting off, I want to thank everyone who's left iTunes reviews. We're now at like 40 reviews, I think. Uh, we have three new reviews since the last uh, time we recorded. We have uh, Mark Church out there in uh, Columbus, Ohio area. We have uh, Tom Joseph finally left a review. He's been listening for forever. He never <laughs> yeah, left finally, a review. Tom. Yeah, he finally left a review. <laughs> Thank you, Tom, for leaving a review. He's our, our, uh, our, one of our Virginia listeners who loves drinking Aslan beer and the Vale uh, beer. Ooh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of those, Blake. Those are some great breweries. Um, yeah. And then we have uh, another new listener, fairly new, only has been listening to the show for the last couple, like three, three or four months. That's Alan Casper. He's uh, he does his own podcast. He does a, a, a retro video game podcast called uh, Retro Rinse. So um, so he go went ahead and listened to review, review too. I really appreciate that, Al. I re- uh, so thank you for that. And then um, I'm going to start off here, Chris. And then you and Blake, if Blake wants to join in and read some of the ones I highlighted for you, go ahead and, and feel free to do that. But I'm going to read the first one from Killarney Brewing Company. And remember, I did last show. I did. Uh, Talk about my experience in drinking craft beer in Ireland, and I had a really good time. And the brewery that I enjoyed visiting and, and the beers they had the most was in a small little town of Killarney. And I, I mentioned it on, on our uh, Twitter account, and they replied back saying, Thanks for the kind words. Glad you enjoyed your visit. Always appreciative when breweries actually respond back to my social media uh, you know, posts and stuff, because that doesn't happen very often. I mean, you think that breweries, when they're getting good praise from uh, from people on social media, they'd actually respond back. But I tell you what, it happens a lot less than uh, than I'd like because uh, eh, so it makes me feel good when breweries respond. Blake, do you? Um, I know you have a, another member that does your social media stuff, but do you do you guys uh, respond back to to people who you know make comments on Twitter and Facebook or whatever? Almost all the time, yeah. Oh, as much as we can. I mean, we're not on the tweeter, mm-hmm. so we uh, we we don't respond to anyone on there yeah. because if there's a corporate letter brewing on Twitter, it's not us. Okay. But uh, <laughs> if uh, on IG and and face page, yeah, we we respond as much as as much as we can. Oh, um, and if you do reach out, you're you're probably talking to James initially, mm-hmm. um, but it's either James or I that's responding to to everything. Um, on on our page, and James is my other brewer, and our handles all of our social social media, uh, among many other things. Okay, we had uh, Alan Caspar uh, on Twitter at Retro Rents Al. He mentioned uh, when in Cape May, do as the Cape Mayans. <laughs> <laughs> Some fantastic beer, Cape May, crushing it. Might be one of the best on tap beers that I've ever had. Listening to my favorite beer cast and enjoying this vacation, and he left us a photo of the Coastal Evacuation Double IPA. Yeah. And Blake, if you want to take uh, Craft Beer Joe there for us, sure. Men's on Twitter. I'm about halfway through the the latest episode. Two notes: 
Aldi has some tasty beer. Their independent <laughs> harbor is a nice honey amber. Second, didn't you notice I checked into a beer that wasn't from 450 North? <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta love the slushies. Yeah, yeah, I actually had one of those today. As a matter of fact, <laughs> gotta love the slushies. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, it's and that's good to know because I mean, Denny, we were reading off those beers from from Aldi. Yeah, uh, a couple couple episodes ago, and I've been hearing kind of the same thing. Like Joe mentioned, that they've got some halfway tasty stuff. Yeah, who would who would ever guess? Well, with our with that tragic episode we had with uh, the Walmart beers that was yeah uh, yeah and, and honestly uh, I haven't I, like the Kirkland beers too I'm not a big uh-huh. fan of the Kirkland beers either oh just be those little hidden treasures yeah. over at the at the Aldi store all right and then uh, Brad Fatler at PK the Buckeye mentioned on Twitter trying a little 450 North right from the source first time in about a year delicious yeah, I can't believe all these guys drinking 450 North. And even Blake knows about 450 North, so that must I be had, who doesn't. We had one today. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm the only one that's not drinking their beer, but it looks well, they all look good. They all look they good. look they look great. And the only downside is there's so much fruit in them. Every time they get a lot of time when they get shipped, they explode to transit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate; all eight of mine made it. Yeah, lucky so. lucky duck, lucky duck. All right, and then we had an email from our buddy Chad Lamassa, uh, and I'll just read uh, that really quick here. He says, so the trip sounds amazing. Glad you had fun, except for the fevers. Ireland is definitely a place I'd love to go. Uh, I don't normally like nitros either. And again, Blake, that's referring to me. I'm not a big nitro. I don't, I don't like very many beers on nitro because I, I feel it takes away, uh, it, like, it like mutes the flavors and it makes it almost watered down. And I like... My beer flavor is strong, so uh, I tend not to drink beers that are on nitro. That's that's what he's referring to, just so you know. Um, but I had one that I loved the other day. It's from Southern Tier. It's the one called Nitro S'mores. Uh, I actually gave it a five-cap rating and untapped. I was told by a bartender that the trick with nitros is an aggressive pour. It creates a big head, but it really did help. This beer tasted like a chocolate shake with crumbled up graham crackers in it. If you can get a hold of one, I'd recommend giving it a shot. So, um, yeah. Sounds delicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does sound delicious. So, Blake, do you have any beers that you put on nitro? <laughs> uh, so, funny you just asked. We actually just got our first little sparkle spout. We just got our first nitro spout, and we have yet to put a nitro beer out. Okay. However, we have committed to people that we will do so. Okay. We've had, we've had the, the spout now for a month, and it hasn't happened yet. But I promise it will happen. Uh, I mentioned James just a second ago, my my other brewer, and uh, he is of the same opinion as you. He basically says all nitro beers taste the same and they're junk. Um, Way to go, James. I'm, I'm less less uh, maybe forceful in my opinion about it, but I just also think that the vast majority of nitro beers maybe aren't made better by nitro. Yes. And if we're going to do it, it has to be something that's, it's at least enhanced the experience. It changes the experience in a way that's, that's positive for the beer. So we're, we're going to pick our, pick the ones that we want to play there uh, and try to try to do it. But we do not do a lot of nitro beers, mm-hmm. um, but we are committed to doing some. Okay. What, what style are you going to do something like out of the ordinary, uh, like like sure, a- we'll throw some of our New Englands on nitro. We'll oh, okay. we'll put some some standard dark thick beers on nitro. 
Um, we've got a chocolate coconut doppelbock that we do pretty often and is, is pretty tasty. And as a Buckbeard and as a lager, it's not quite as thick as a typical stout or porter and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, I'm interested to see how that beer does on nitro. I don't know if it's going to be better or worse or just, you know, how, how it's going to play, but we, we have some things that we're going to play around with and, and see what they're, what they're like. But in general, you know, if, if we're going to do it, uh, I want it to be more than a gimmick and I want it to be something that actually enhances the experience. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll see what we can find there. Yeah. It sounds great. Yes. I, I like your attitude. I like, you know, the fact that you're not just going to throw anything on it. You're going to do something that's going to, you know, still going to taste good and it's going to be, you know, it's going to make it a little bit more special, not just because, you know, it says nitro. And it, there are people sure. that will just buy a beer because it has nitro and they think it's better on nitro, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess there's people like that because there's, I'm amazed. Oh, it happens. I, it yeah. happens for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all of our listeners for, uh, for your feedback and your, and, uh, we really appreciate that. And if you would like to contact the show with your comments or questions, you can reach us through email at tap to craft at gmail.com or on Twitter. Just follow us at tap to craft and we know that you want to interact with Chris on Facebook, so you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash tap the craft. And don't forget, we do have a voicemail number. Nobody has used a voicemail number for, uh, what, like six shows? When's the last time we had a voicemail, Chris? Like forever, right? I don't know, but they're, I, they're one of my favorite things that we I, get. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you ever want to just drunk dial someone, don't call your ex-girlfriend. Call us. Yeah, call us. Call, yeah. And leave, <laughs> leave yeah. us a drunk dial. Yeah, call us at 208-536-3359. Or if it's easier for you to remember, just call 208-53-ODDLY. Just think of us oddly guys here drinking beer and talking about beer. And leave us a voicemail. And we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that Chris and I are putting out, we know you'll find some other great content like the following. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Forum Radio Network over at openformradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Forum Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz, and the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics, and this week, we are going to interview Blake from Corporate Ladder Brewing. We're going to find out about his craft beer journey, and we're going to find out how he got started in, in uh, coming up with uh, his brewery and, uh, and the beers he's brewing and all the history behind that also in a few questions that we have for him. So I'll go ahead and start off the first question question here about his craft beer journey so uh, Blake we always like to find out about our listeners and our guests craft beer journey how they got started in craft beer so when did you get started in drinking craft beer I mean did you always start drinking craft beer did you drink some uh, you know more domestic uh, Budweiser Coors whatever and then worked up to craft beer uh, you know how, how'd you get started uh, yeah, so <laughs> I've, I've been drinking craft beer for, for a, a while, a long, long time. Um, definitely, you know, in college I started drinking whatever was put in my hand. 
mm-hmm. um, which was never craft beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just get that straight. It was not craft beer. Uh, I was, um, but I got the job done, and and that was fine. Uh, and get a, get out of college and um, try to elevate oneself. I had a, I had a little time. I was a Stella drinker, um, and then before before the craft beer kind of thing took on. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I grew up in Massachusetts, right? Okay. So um, definitely I got in with number nine, um, was a gateway beer for me, uh, Sam seasonal beers, cherry wheat, like mm-hmm. early on, those were, those were things that were outside of the normal, you know, yellow fizz that, um, that I enjoyed. I remember kind of maybe the first more traditional, what you'd think of craft beer, you know, it's, it's a tried and true story and, and pretty much everyone has it. Um, but Sierra pale, yeah, you know, it's, that's, that was a life changing beer for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely, uh, the first hop, you know, it was the, the first pale ale IPA that hit me and I was, you know, and it kicked my butt. Like I remember that was <laughs> bitter, bitter as heck and, uh, got into it, you know, then, then from, you know, get, going down to the rabbit hole a little bit before, uh, moving to Florida in 2010, you know, I remember chasing Kate the great up, up that way. And, and some, you know, old school people will, will recognize that as a, a cool little Imperial stout that had quite a following way, way back in the day. And, mm-hmm. um, some, some other beers, you know, I moved to Florida in 2010 and it was kind of right after, you know, I remember, um, remember having heady and, and some different things up mm-hmm. there that were really, really different for, for the time. But you talking about like tree house and trillium that opened mm-hmm. up tree was, I think in 2011. So it was right after I left and, and came down here. Um, but it wasn't long before I was doing everything I possibly could every trip back up North, all of that, getting them and, and jumping down that, that new England rabbit hole, um, along with everything else. But at the same time, you know, I remember when I moved down here in 2010, high lies and bottle, like, yeah. How crazy, yes. crazy is that at the, the time? <laughs> the the early early heydays of of I think 2014 was like we, we talk about it and joke about it a lot. And it was like it was peak beer. Um, you know everything that was happening with with all of um, Cigar City in 2014 with 2014 Huna and Double Huna and. Uh, mm, life is like and moat water like they just put out some amazing stuff and then what perennial was doing um and uh you know don't want to talk about them a lot right now but what uh goose island was doing with bcbs and 14 mm-hmm. was outrageous and vr and prop and all of that it was like that was um kind of peak geek time if you mm-hmm. if you will for for jumping down that rabbit hole and so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I probably I changed a whole bunch between, say, two thousand seven and two thousand and twelve or so, as far as what I was drinking. Uh, it was sort of the slow, slow decline uh, into into the rabbit hole, and and then there was just no stopping it after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
I mean, being in, in Massachusetts, when you, when you first started uh, drinking uh, more crafty beer or craft beer, I don't want to say crafty, craft beers. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think of, of beers that, uh, that might be over, in, uh, you know, like uh, Yingling. Was the Yingling a, a possible gateway beer for you? Or, I mean, or Nagas, what is it, Nagaset or Naga? What's the uh, lager? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely you have some of those. Uh, the blue, right? So it's you know uh, everyone, a lot of people, a lot of people know that beer. And um, eh, so I will, I'll go like Yingling definitely wasn't one of wasn't okay. one of mine um, at the time. Um, can definitely appreciate Yingling now, but. Um, wasn't anything that started started that journey, but there were a lot up there, right? So there's there's a lot of old school breweries that survived that kind of '90s downturn that have been around a little bit um, that were putting on a ton of beer. We had Red Hook and Smutty and um, a bunch of a bunch of places that were putting out beer before this latest boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, looking at the the kind of cycles as far as how how beers. You know, we had the '80s uh, brew pub thing, and then we had a little '90s '90s boom, and then a fall off, and then an early thousands thing, and then a fall off, and now we have just this crazy, crazy growth that we've seen over the last, you know, I'll say eight, like eight years, but really it's been more like five or six. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's outrageous. So there's some of those old guard places that you know you don't think of lot now but we're we're really really big and tried and true and put out quality you know drinkable liquid mm-hmm. um that you know just haven't stayed with the times as as much as yeah you know, some others do you have a favorite style not not what you started drinking but like do you have a favorite style that you really enjoy uh drinking or if you have too many favorite styles do you have a least favorite style I, I like good beer, right? Uh-huh. So um, I, I don't have a favorite style. I, I say it changes with the wind, right? Mm-hmm. So what do I drink? Because we get asked, I get asked this every day. Um, and and that's all I say. It's like it changes with the wind or with my mood, right? It's like yeah. I like good beer. So what I find myself drinking nowadays, uh, which is a lot of what we're making because, you know, we, we make what, what we like. You know, I like Good clean lagers. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I like fruited sours. We mm-hmm. like New England IPAs. We <laughs> like big barrel and imperial stouts. Like we, you know, a lot of the hype styles and a lot of the things that um, are popular. They're they're popular for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of places that are making them and they're absolutely delicious when they're done well. So, uh, yeah, going back to you know, I, I like good beer. Okay. I can appreciate it. All yeah. different types of types of style. Um, and don't have any that I, you know, necessarily, like, you know, I, we de- I definitely have styles that I drink more of, yeah, but I wouldn't yeah. say that I don't appreciate any. Okay. Was, was it always that way? Or like, I'll, I'll just tell you that there, I went through phases. I've been drinking craft beer since 92 when I started drinking craft beer. And when I first started drinking craft beer, uh, the, the beer that got me, uh, to first realize that there's a difference in the flavor was uh, a dark blueberry lager. Now the blueberry lager, it wasn't a fruity lager. It was a dark lager that had just subtle hints of 
of the blueberry in there, but it was a, still a, a nice dark lager. And I'm like, holy smokes, this thing's got good flavor. And I started drinking uh, Deschutes Blackbeet Porter, Red Hook ESB, uh, sure. Alaskan Amber. Uh, you know, those are the beers that uh, that stuck. And I, it wasn't until 96 or so before I found the the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and then I found the Full Sail uh, Extra Special Pale, which was a, one of the first, you know, my first IPA, basically. They call it Extra Special Pale, but it was really an IPA. And then I fell in love with that beer, and then I started only drinking IPAs for about 10 years. I drank nothing but IPAs, and these were pretty much just West Coast IPAs until about 2007 or so, where I started going back and drinking a lot of different styles. Went back to the lager, went back to the Hefeweizen, the wheat beers, and uh, the, the stouts, and I started enjoying Belgian ales, and that's when I, I, I really broadened my style uh, you know, appreciation. Did you? Sure. Go through a, a, so, I mean, it sounds like you have that pendulum swing, which yeah. I think a lot of a lot of people do on this journey, and I, I've definitely had it through my time as well. And you you go and you focus on that thing that's that's either new for you or just new in general, mm -hmm. but but new and you focus on it, and then inevitably you're going to have a pendulum swing back to the exact opposite end of end of things. So mm -hmm. you started your journey, and you liked really malt forward beers mm -hmm. yeah. and clean lagers yeah. and this like ambers and dark lagers and really strong malt forward, malt forward beers. Uh, and then found something with hop and you say, Oh my God, and yeah. you swing the pendulum <laughs> to that side. And you're like, and that was right in the heyday of, of all of the space race for bitterness and, mm -hmm. and everything that happened with the West coast style. And then we had that echo and, and that pendulum swung into the exact opposite side. And now you have that kind of that swing specifically within hoppy beers to to the sweeter end of the spectrum with yeah. New England's and your IBUs and whatever else yeah. is happening. Uh, the you know lactose IPAs yeah. and, and different oh, yeah. things, pastry style. Um, <laughs> sure, pastry IPAs. Like, yeah. Man, like what? Um, yeah. So they're they're definitely you know we're we're seeing that. I think what you see is. Um, there's, there's some evolution that's happening through it. Like, you know, New England is not a fad. It is not going away. Mm -hmm. It is, it is here to stay. It's a delicious style when, when brewed right and done well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it should, should continue. Um, but we've also seen extremes in the same way that we've seen extremes with the West Coast, I, you know, IPAs and yeah. the 100 plus 200 you know, theoretical IBU, like, <laughs> here we go, let's melt your face. Yeah. Can't taste anything for a week, but yeah. here, let's do it. Um, like, we, we're, we're seeing that exact same extreme on the other side, right? So mm -hmm. there's always going to be this little pendulum swing in, in extremes, and we're going to be changing and chasing after those, like, weirdly, those extremes. But then uh, I think most of the time, just the good, clean, and well-done beers fall somewhere in between because they need to have balance. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think eventually you always fall back, right? So you can have that pendulum swing and you can go from one side to the other, but you always kind of fall back to that middle. Okay. And that's sort of um, more often than not where we want to play mm -hmm. is just in, in, that, in that realm that has a little bit of balance from, from those extremes. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like we, we like to play in extremes too because they're fun, but Still, so, you know, we, we want to have a little bit of balance with things. Yeah. And so that's where yeah. we kind of find ourselves at the moment. 
Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. I like that. All right. Okay, so that's enough of your... We'll, we'll stop on drilling you for your uh, your craft beer stuff. But, uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and start in on drilling them about the brewery? Okay, so, what, uh, Blake, what would you say your role here is at Corporate Ladder? If you had to pick one, I'm sure you do. <laughs> my role. I'm sure you'd all, right? <laughs> uh, I think my official... My official title here is um, Masher of Barley, Wielder of Lupulin, Cleaner of All the Things. Is that what it says on your business card? Yep. (laughs) So I think, um, yeah, so I own um, and pretend to operate uh, Corporate Ladder. And so, um, you know, my my hand is, is around. Um, luckily I have an amazing, amazing group here of, of staff that we've grown in the last year. Um, but, and and I don't have to do quite as much as I did over the last year. Uh, but still it means, um, I get to do a lot of things. Okay. And then you guys have been open for just over a year now, right? Yep. So we celebrated our anniversary May 25th. So, uh, we are almost 14 months old at the recording of this. That's awesome. And then how long have you been brewing? I mean, whether as a, as a, did you start out as, as just a hobby? Yeah. So I've been home brewing. Uh, I've been brewing for nine years. Um, the first couple of those kind of pretty recreationally. And then, um, most of that time pretty obsessively. And then, um, when we decided to open, um, corporate, well, what is now corporate? When we decided to open a brewery, uh, you know, I got into the industry professionally. So for the last three years, I've been in the industry professionally, uh, doing everything, brewing, seller work, packaging, name it. Okay. Well, what did you do before you brewed beer? So I worked in the corporate world. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know where this is going. (laughs) Um, you know, out of, out of school, I was a business analyst for telecommunication companies, um, worldwide, very, very large, uh, telecom companies. When I moved to Florida, I have a, a, a economics and finance is what I, what I studied. And so when I came to Florida, um, I got into insurance and financial planning. Um, and so I've worked with both you know, multinational insurance and telecommunication and financial companies, uh, some of the largest companies in the world um, in in various different ways. Immediately before opening the brewery, I've had my own um, insurance and financial brokerage for the last, uh, since 2013. So for the last six years, um, I can tell you definitively it is way more fun talking about beer all day long mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. it is <laughs> talking about insurance. Yes. <laughs> I kind of go, I kind of black out when I start hearing about insurance. <laughs> um, and that's normally when I, when I call either my accountant or the attorney that we keep on retainer and just go, look, I, this is what we need. What's this look like? Is it look good? Should we I have do that it? guy too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, and I, cause when we start going through that, I'm, I just glaze over and I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> More than your normal look? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Normally, that's just me being handsome. I can't help it. <laughs> um, so why why did you just say, okay, well, the hell with the corporate world. Let's just go brew some beer. 
So initially, it, you know, it's it's kind of a, a lot of home brewers, I think, have that um, have that thought about how amazing it would be to turn it, and especially during that time period of when we're talking, like you know, we're going back a few years, four or four years now. Um, you know, it was it was it was prime prime time with just the expansion and the brewery boom and everything that was happening. Um, it was, it was awesome. So we, you know, I've, I've wanted to do it. We've been talking about, it. I've been talking about opening a brewery for years and years and years before that. And it was kind of always just the pipe dream and, um, something that was, wouldn't that be awesome? Um, and then kind of the talks got more serious than that. And a few years back decided to actually do it and go for it, uh, which is scary as hell. Um, <laughs> It is, but it's also extremely rewarding and, and fun. So um, I'm I'm glad we did, and you know we're 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 in our infancy, right? So we're we're just over a year old, um, and things just at this at this age at this time like they just change so quickly and so rapidly uh, that it's yeah it, it's pretty wild still the ride that's that's happening. Uh, which is really really cool, and and we're blessed by the reception that we've had so far. So um, we we couldn't be more happy with the way things are going. Uh, but yeah, it was it was just a, a long term long term dream. Um, something you know, I've had my my business for a while. I've you know recognized that I appreciate working for myself more than for large large companies. Um, so corporate ladder is kind of our rejection of big business in the same way that craft beer is a rejection of big beer. Right. Okay. So that sort of echoes, echoes that larger sort of movement within craft beer. It's, mm -hmm. it's our expression of that, uh, as far as, you know, just creating a business in the image that we think business should be done. It should be about people. It should be about community. Uh, if we focus on those things and we do it right, everything else should take care of itself. So that's, that's sort of where we started and the premise behind what we're, what we're doing and what we're trying to do. Okay. Well, then that kind of uh, foreshadowed into some of the other questions that we have, but like who came up with your, with your logo? Uh, just how, where that? A designer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not that creative. No. I was it's like, not, hey, so you guys are awesome. Corporate ladder. That was my idea. The, the name, that was, that was my idea. I, I have no problem taking credit for that. But um, the design, you know, I was, um, I was hung up on ladders. How can we make this work with, with ladders? Uh, so, Put it put it in the hands of a designer, and they kind of came up with um, for anyone that's seen our our logo, the sort of Superman esque, mm -hmm. you know, pulling pulling the suit off thing, um, which is turned into you know our our biggest uh, our biggest logo. We we do use ladders, but uh, <laughs> but that's the, the the biggest one that we use. <laughs> And so that one, I, I will not take credit for that. It's, it's changed. It's iterated a few times. We've had a couple of different people's hands on it, but that, uh, that definitely came from a designer. Okay. I, I do like it. I especially like just seeing that Clark Kent type, uh, you know, ripping it across and instead of having a big S, uh, you have, you have your motto, right? Uh, Quit sure, exactly. Beer, I, I love that. <laughs> and, and we use a lot of them, right? So we do stop climbing, start living. We we do other things. The the quit work brew beer, right? So this is this is what we did, mm -hmm. and, and we recognize not everyone's dream is the same as ours. So it's kind of just supposed to be a quit work and do what you are passionate about. Yeah. Type 
type slogan. Uh, so people within the beer world and beer scene and the, the Uber, like they like that and that's cool and it resonates and, and we like it too because it's exactly what we did. Uh, but you know, the, the bigger kind of feeling behind it um, that we also use otherwise is, you know, it's, it's about, you know, stop climbing and start living and, yeah. and quit that and find your passion and figure out what's, what's important to you. And, and that's another one of the tenets that we believe in is, you know, if everyone was doing something they were happy about, I think the world will be a better place. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. right. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's simple as that. So we're, we're doing our part. <laughs> so we're, we're currently sitting in the tasting room right now as we're, as we're recording this episode. So we're kind of looking around. There's, um, I don't know, you guys have about what? 50 or so seats in here. 70. Is it yeah. 70? Oh, mm-hmm. I, I'm a yeah. horrible estimator. Then. <laughs> <You are. It's laughs> and then um, the building that we're sitting in, about how big is the building? Uh, uh, the, uh, the entire building? Yeah. We're, we're in a little bit of a strip uh, strip mall thing here. We, we have 2,800 square feet. So we okay. have a pretty small space. We have a nice little patio outside that uh, we, have, we have about 1,000 feet outside that we can um, put you know, that we have additional seating and, and stuff out there. But um, yeah, we, we've jam packed quite a, quite a bit into a small, small little space. Yeah. And it's, we were kind of discussing that just kind of wandering back through the brew house there too. How, uh, how, how much beer can you guys brew at one time? So we have a five barrel brew house, um, which for people that don't really know, I mean, we, we brew about 150 gallons of beer, finished beer per batch. Um, and we've got four five barrel fermenters, two 10 barrel fermenters, uh, means, means we got 40, 40 barrels of, of fermenter space. Um, we, you know, we can put up to like 80 barrels a month if we were really, 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 really chugging. We also, we, I mean, we do a lot of lagers, so we probably couldn't, couldn't get that high, but. Uh, we can put out a decent amount of liquid for a small little neighborhood tavern. Yeah, that's um, you guys currently. How many beers do you guys on tap on tap right now? <sighs> At the moment, we either have eleven or twelve. Or how many handles do you on. guys have on right we, now? We typically we try to keep somewhere between like twelve and eighteen of our beers on. Okay. Wow, any, any <laughs> that's <point>. impressive. <laughs> um, and we usually are pretty pretty good at doing that. We're on the lower end of that, but we also have like five beers coming out next week so we've we've got a big next big week both next week and the week after as okay. far as beers we're putting out all right so well, before, uh, before, oh i was gonna say so you said you had there was four five barrel fermenters and two ten barrel fermenters correct yeah so what beers do you put in the that you do double batches to put in a ten barrel ten barrel fermenters <sighs> So we'll do um, we'll do some package release from time to time. We'll can some beers mm-hmm. and we'll do some can releases about once a month, once every other month or, or so. We don't do a lot of it, but we're getting into more of it as we kind of grow. Um, and so we'll do ten barrel batches, and we will um, we'll can a lot of that. Just recently, we did a ten barrel batch, and most of it went into four whiskey barrels. Um, imperial stout so we are 10 barreling so we're double batching our pilsner that's coming up which is one of our most popular beers that we we put out a really nice clean german pills um so like you know obviously we put out the beers that are going to um that we we sell a lot of or we're going to package um it just it depends on the style um of late we've been trying to build our barrel program so We've been turning turning that 
quite a little bit in, in trying to get some, some beer stocked away so that next year we can start to put out a lot of more beer that we want to okay. uh, in that realm. Okay. Yeah. It's, it seems amazing that you can, you know, have 11 or 12 beers on tap with just six vessels to, you know, turn over your beer to, to get them in the kegs, I guess. Yeah. So we, we cheat a little bit and oh. we'll treat <laughs> a lot of the times it's, it's mostly with our sours uh, and we'll treat them in different ways. Oh, so okay. We'll take kettle sours and we'll treat them and we might get three different beers okay. on tap okay. out of that batch. Okay. So it's uh we, 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 use all the tricks we have okay yeah yeah that, no it makes sense i, I no I, I didn't you know what i didn't even think about that until you mentioned it so yeah it's a good mm -hmm. it's a good plan right you can always you can always put uh, even in your other you know your uh your darker beers you can you know put different things in them and, and cause them to, you know different and barrels and to, you know different barrels different uh uh you know add some uh uh, vanilla to it or whatever and i mean there's all sure kinds of things you can do. yeah so it's a great example we did a, a collaboration with cultivation brewing um here just before our anniversary and we did a big imperial sweet stout with them and we ended up taking that beer and we treated it four different ways mm -hmm. so we put out four different releases one after another all with these treatments of the same yeah. beer with cultivation that we we plan the the different treatments um the different adjuncts and all of that with them and, and put out some, some cool beers. So we, we split that, that big Imperial stout, um, a few different ways as well. So yeah, yeah it makes yeah, sense. We, we play with it. Oh, good. Good. So with, with really how all these breweries are showing up and we, we probably have what 70 or 80 in the Tampa ish Tampa, area. St. Pete. Yep. Yeah. We, I think we have somewhere in that, in that neighborhood of how many that we have. Do you guys ever look at this and go, okay, what are we going to do different that's going to keep us lasting, keeping us around? Or do you, or you just go, like, if we make good beer and we keep our customers happy, it's going to stick. Like, well, how do you guys, how do you guys uh, look at that? How do you, how do you kind of plan for sticking around? So, um, I talk about two different things when, whenever we are, are looking at this and uh, all of the people that work with me have, have heard it verbatim because we talk about it all the time. Um, but I think there's two things that if we do it right, we're going to not only survive, but thrive, right? So it's always improving beer quality. And so we're, we're constantly trying to figure out how we can make better beer. Uh, and we, we know, you know, unfortunately good beer is not a requisite of being successful, but I feel strongly that it should be right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and as things get a little bit more crowded, hopefully it will be that way because honestly, like we want more good beer out there mm -hmm. and less bad beer and, mm -hmm. um, or mediocre beer. Um, so we want, we want good to great beer all, all the time. And so it's just constantly trying to improve and how do we put out better beer? And the second thing is how do we put out an amazing experience? Yes. So the two things that we're trying to always focus on. Um, you know, back of house, we're, we're trying to create the best beer we can. Um, and then front of house, we're trying to create the best experience we can. And between those two things, I think if we can create an experience that's unique and memorable, uh, and engaging, and we are genuine, I think one of the things that we've been, been really good at since the start is being, being genuine and being recognized for that. And we've, we have a loyal following here. Um, locally, we have a little bit of a captive audience 
in our area, which is nice. <laughs> uh, but beyond beyond that, you know, we're we're starting to grow into the wider beer scene and being recognized for the beer that we're making as well, which is um, which is cool and helpful, and and that's also you know another part that's important for our growth. And so I think if we can do those two things, if we can if we can nail our, our experience and if we can nail the beer, um, you know that's that's the only things that we're worrying about right now as far as growing. Okay. No, that's do a, you get, I was going to say that's a perfect answer. So you. you answered exactly how I think people need to, to focus on the reason that they they open the brewery and what they want to accomplish is, is that ex- exact thing. Good quality beer and a good experience for your patrons. That's, yeah. that's good. Now, with, with talking about growth and stuff like that, do you guys do you guys see yourselves just maybe opening up a going into a bigger brew house maybe down the road or you're, or you kind of look at it and go, hey, you know, We've got a, a great thing here. We want to stay super local and and, and kind of keep it a little on the smaller on the smaller side. Like, what what's that look like for you guys? I have no idea. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, have, I have no idea. Um, I've I've been on the record saying multiple times that I will be extremely happy if we never distribute an ounce of our beer and our 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 life. But it was like that's not that's not going to happen, right? So we um we are. We're sending some of our beer down to, to Miami next week for uh, some tap takeovers and things. And we're going to do some limited stuff like that. But, but in the grand scheme of things, like, yeah, like we want to grow. Um, we have some capacity here within our current location and within our current, you know, our current tank volume and all that. Like we have some space to, to grow and we want to maximize everything that we can do out of here for, you know, as long as we, we can. And once we maximize that, um, I don't know what the next the next iteration is going to be. Um, I would like to grow. I think that local is the most important thing for us. I think within the current climate, uh, distribution is really really difficult. I- I'm saying this as we're you know kind of exploring and, and t- talking in different <laughs> realms, and so it's like I I have no idea what it may be something that we're getting into sooner than we had expected. Um, I, I, I don't know. I know what's important to us and what's important to us is exactly what I said before. And so what I struggle with, if we do expand is, you know, how do we nail that experience if it's not in our house? Okay, so how do we control that message? How do we control the beer? How do we control all of these things? If we do grow outside of our, our, you know, little tap room and in the sphere that we, we live in. Um, and I say that not like I said that and I sounded to myself like really controlling and, <laughs> and I'm not like this miser that's saying like, but what's really, really important to me is I, I can control or we can control the way that the beer is presented here. Uh, and I know that if the beer is not presented in the way that, that we want it to be, we can pull it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we can take it off tap. Like, we, I know here it's going to be exactly what we want. And I know that the second it leaves, um, we lose that control. And I've had plenty of amazing beers at other places that were not anywhere near what that beer should have been just because of those situations. Mm-hmm. And so, it's... Um, it's it's something that's that's troubling. I have no idea what that's going to look like. I, I know we're going to try to grow as much as we can here, 
And if the next iteration for us, if we, we outgrow this is something similar, just a little bit larger in this area, I'd be happy with that. If, uh, if we end up going, going and going into distro and sending some beer out, out and about, I think it's always going to be, uh, I think it's always going to be about the tap room and the tap room is going to be the focus because I think that's the type of beer that we make. Mm-hmm. And we can't send all of our beer out, right? Mm-hmm. Not all of the beer that we can make here in the tap room, but, you know, it's not shelf stable. So we're not, we're not going to send all of this beer out into distro. So the, mm-hmm. we're limited as far as what we can do and send it and do it well and do it correctly and do it safely and, and put it out and about if we decide to do that. Um, and so it's still going to be about, you know, most of what we do is probably going to be in house and a small fraction of that goes elsewhere. Uh, but we're, we're exploring it. So who, who knows? Um, we're, we're trying to grow the brand. We're trying to get recognized for the beer that we're making. Uh, and then we're going to see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys definitely got a good start going on because, uh, I know the beers Appreciate that I've had from you guys have been, have been awesome. Thank you. And, uh, I know at least in the, in the Tampa beer community, there's been quite, quite the talk about you guys, even though, I mean, you're, you guys are. 30, 45 minutes south of like downtown Tampa. I mean, good part is me living in Brandon. You guys are only a half hour from no, me. No, you're not too far. <laughs> not too far. And then I said, I mean, we're right off the highway. We have a cool location. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just south of, of St. Pete. We're just north of, of Bradenton and Sarasota. And we're a little way south of, of Tampa, but we're kind of equidistant between these two markets that are pretty well established between, you know, the stuff that's happening in, in Bradenton, Sarasota, and the stuff that's happening in St. Pete, Sarasota, and, or St. Pete and Tampa. And, you know, if you're you're going to go from one of those scenes to the next, which a lot of those beer drinkers do, you kind of have to drive by. So uh, if we can just capture the the attention of of those people, you know, we're, we're starting to tap into a lot of the wider, wider beer scene and, you know, beer geeks, whatever you want to call them, the, the people that are really connected to, to the breweries in the area. Um, and, and thankfully I think the majority of them that have, have come out have found it worthwhile. And, and that's just it. If we can, uh, if we can hang with the, the people that are making world-class beer around us, uh, we'll, we'll be happy with that. Nice. So beer, at least to me, uh, beer is pretty much like a, it's a crazy, but very, very, I guess the term you could use is loving community. Uh, and I'm going to give you an example of why I say that. Cause for me personally, I've made a lot of good friends from from just being out and drinking really good beer, whether it's out at a brewery or at a beer event. Um, I've gotten jobs because of the people that I know uh, from just going out and drinking beer. So the beer community to me is probably one of my favorite parts about beer um, and beer in general, other than the fact that it tastes good and <laughs> it you know tends to be a lot of fun of all the stuff that you can go out and try. What do you think your favorite part about beer is? Oh, so it's absolutely not the liquid itself. It's, it's the people, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I love, don't get me wrong, like, I love beer. <laughs> I love consuming beer. I really, really enjoy making beer. Um, but the reason why we make the beer is not the, the product itself. It's, it's what it allows, right? So, um, you know, m- my view, again, going back to it is what, what we created or what we're trying to create here is a community. So we're trying to open a, an environment that is, that's open and welcoming. And we're trying to, to give uh, an outlet for, for a community that's underserved as far as having a social gathering place, 
a place to get together uh, that's, yeah, centered around beer, um, but it's just a liquid lubricant, right? So it's it's about the people, and that's the coolest part about what we've done so far in, in opening corporate is has just been the people that we've met and the lifelong friends that we've, we've made. Um, you know, Chris, you and I, like we, uh, we came from, uh, from meeting around a brewery and a beer. (laughs) What? Like 60 miles from here. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, uh, we'll travel. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll travel for beer. Uh, so we've, we've known each other for, for a minute now. It's been a couple of years now. I haven't called you Blake in a while. No. So uh, I met Blake actually, Denny at Zephyr Hills Brewing Company, mm-hmm. right. and um, the uh, the owners and a lot of the other people there would call him me <laughs> and me. I've been, him. I've been called Chris quite a few times. And uh, actually, the first couple of days that we were in there doing volunteer work at the brewery before they opened, the owners were calling me Blake, <laughs> and I, I just you know I. They'd been dealing with a handful of people. There were probably, you know, 10 or 15 of us in, in there working one day. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe they just forgot my name. So you know how good looking Chris is? Yes. yes. I'm just as beautiful. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just as beautiful. And just as tall too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, equally as tall. For <laughs> sure. yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, and that's good. That's, that's one of the things that, that was one of the things I noticed when I came in here too is like when I was sitting down at the bar, just kind of finishing up my notes and the last three guys that were at the bar, they left like everybody's getting high fives and shaking hands and, you know, just, Hey, see you later, man. Come, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch about this or whatever. And that, that community's huge. I, I absolutely adore that about uh, the beer community because it does, man. We, you know, again, you and I met 60 miles North of here mm-hmm. and now we're hanging out, uh, drinking beer and talking about it. So, there are again tons of breweries around here, and we're at what seven thousand plus breweries across the country now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a thank God! It's a beautiful time to be alive, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you don't like this one, just go to the next next place. No, 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 I like one. this one. Yeah. Um, what's some of the breweries that that you guys get inspiration from, or some of the ones that oh, you geez. like? Ah, uh, yeah. Another another question I should have prepped for. Um. <laughs> We, I get, we get inspiration all over the place. Uh, locally, we have some amazing, amazing beer being brewed by some amazing people. Um, we're lucky enough to be friends with, with a bunch of them. Um, and then just throughout, throughout the country, there are just, thankfully, in most communities around the country, there are places to find to find on varying levels, just like pretty good to, to world-class beer, um, which is, which is phenomenal to think about. Um, specifically our, our model, uh, the, the only reason why we exist and why we're able to open, open our space is basically because of the taproom to go model set have been successful that started from, you know, the couple of breweries in the Northeast and, Trill and Tree and and those that quickly expanded to to everywhere around the the country and um, we're just starting to become successful here in in Florida right around the time that we were we were trying to open um, and so you know the places like Civil and uh, Civil Society and and Calusa that were were 
proving the model works. Um, and, and beyond that, like with specifically with certain styles and you had others here, cycle and angry that are, that are doing world-class things and other, other realms. But, um, you know, it, it just, it, it proved out that this, this, what was a pretty new business model within the beer world, um, that was popping up and was being shown to be successful around the country was, was possible here and, and something that we wanted to, to do and emulate. And so, um, you know, we, we draw inspiration from a lot of those, but my God, there's just amazing beer being brewed all over the place. And so, I don't know, it's too, um, it's too difficult to, to just, point out a, a couple of couple of breweries and if I did I would be doing disservice to the other ones <laughs> I would say there's at minimum a hundred that in the country that I really, really truly um just love and are we're trying to emulate and take different things from um whether it's whether it's beer or branding or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like you know there's just there's some places that are uh, that are just uh, they're just killing it. It's they're it's amazing. All right, yeah, I know uh, branding like can art and stuff is something that Denny and I talk about all the time because mm-hmm. I don't know how much beer I've probably spent money on just because of just because the can, can art, yeah. which looks, is phenomenal. Yeah. And, and you start to think about that, and it was like so we t- we talked about that on open, and it's like oh man, I think like it's it's. Part of it's silly. We think like, oh yeah, like the most important thing that we have to do outside of like making beer at this moment is is like the the branding, art, and the social social aspect of everything. But it's it's really kind of it's it's true. It's held um, it's held the point where it's you know it's proven to be extremely extremely important, and I think. There are examples of it that do that very, very well, and maybe the beer mediocre that are still wildly <laughs> successful. Um, thankfully, the ones that do the beer extremely well and the branding extremely well are just extremely killing it. Yeah. I didn't know if you were explicit. I almost swore there. I was trying to be good. Yeah, too. We can bleep it out if you need to. Perfect. <laughs> um, I've, I've been good. Denny beeps me occasionally. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, so I think it's uh, if you do both those things well, you deserve to kill it, right? So, like, if you are just absolutely slaying the beer and the branding is 100% on point, uh, you you should just murder things. Mm-hmm. It's you deserve to at that point. Um, it's when the beer kind of is like, ah, and the branding is amazing that you're like, why the fuck are they still doing mm-hmm. so well? Mm-hmm. Um, because I would prefer at the end of the day to see good beer win. Like good beer needs needs to win for this to actually continue to grow, um, but and I think in general it is. I think the vast vast majority of the time it is. Uh, it's it's small pockets where it's not. So out of all the beers that you guys brew, what's your favorite? Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so I'll I'll say this. The next one. The next mm-hmm. one. Good Thank you. Uh, it's kind of a canned answer. I came up with it maybe a month ago and I've been using it because again, that's a question that I get asked a lot. Oh yeah. Um, but it's, it's really true. Like it's not, it's not just bullshit. Right. So, um, 
yeah, there, there are beers that I like more than, than others, but it changes by the day and it just changes by the mood. And after a long double brew day, like, yeah, I'm reaching for just an easy crushable Pilsner and things. Mm -hmm. Other days it's like, man, I want to try that outrageously crazy fruited sour that we just put out, which is, um, you know, we're, we're pretty well known for at this point. Um, I think our New England IPAs, which is something that we've wanted to do well for a long, long time, are starting to get to the point where I think they are absolutely amazing with the RO system that the reverse osmosis water that we put in a couple of months ago. Um, they're they're getting to the point where I'm I'm now really really happy with them. So, like yeah, they're they're um, we, we make some beer that I'm that I'm pretty proud about. Um, but I think my favorite beer is the next one. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Nice. Well, Denny, any other questions you have for him? No, I think uh, Blake did a fantastic job answering the questions. I really appreciate uh, your candor and just being, uh, you know, honest with us and, and letting us know, you know, how it is. It's good. Cheers. Uh, Thanks for sharing the mic with me and I uh, appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Yeah, of course. Of course. But, hey, we're not done yet. Uh, let's just talk uh, just We'll, we'll, we'll talk briefly on this article I wanted to mention. So you still got a few minutes, Blake? Sure thing. Okay. I'm uh, still attached to this headphone, so I can't go anywhere. Okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, I do have an article, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. It's uh, The article is called Amid Chaos in Craft, No Lie Brew House Leans on Innovation and Local Markets. This is uh, found on brewbound.com. <laughs> I guess the beer's starting to uh, wear on me already. Uh, by Chris... Fernari, and uh, I'll just go ahead and start this off. I'll, I'll pause, and, and we can talk about some stuff as we go, and then Chris can finish it off here, too. So uh, John Bryant, the founder of Spokane, Washington's No Lie Brew House, doesn't mince words when describing the state of beer, of the beer industry in 2019. He says, it's chaos. Uh, the beer industry veteran whose three decades long career includes stints at Deschutes Brewery, Odell Brewing, and Oscar Blues. Now those, all three are some pretty uh, <laughs> nice uh, little bit of a, a resume he has there, uh, is of course referring to the 7,500 plus craft breweries fighting for distributor, retailer, and consumer mindshare. And this is kind of what we've hinted at uh, over, well, we've kind of talked about it over the last uh, several episodes and, uh, and what, you know, what, Blake has hinted at as, uh, you know, when he's talking about trying to, you know, keep his brewery relevant in, in the market. Um, let's see. The, the reminders of just how competitive the landscape has become arrive in Bryant's inbox daily. It says weekly roundups of brewery closures, stories about bankruptcy filings, and email advertisements for used equipment, and weekly headlines about sluggish beer sales. He says there is a lot of panic right now referring to the marketplace uncertainty and growth tension between brewers who are finding it more difficult to brew and distributors who are overwhelmed with thousands of SKUs. So this is something I guess, Blake, you're not having to worry about right now because you're still focused on the taproom uh, entity. But a lot of breweries that are trying to, uh, you know, to, to get away, you know, to, to brew enough, brew a lot of beer and get out and distribute and, and grow their, their brand, um, you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit in this, especially in the in the regional uh, breweries. For example, uh, Deschutes. For for one, uh, I just had listened to an interview of uh, uh, 
Gary Fish, I can't remember his name, but Fish, for the owner of, of Deschutes on uh, Bruvana podcast. They did a very nice interview with him, and he was very upfront and honest about their uh, recent, uh, this this last year, they've lost 30% of their production. They've, they've had to slow down because of the market change, and it is hard, uh, you know, to put their beer out on the shelves and, and make sure that it all gets, you know, gets sold. And they're putting out like a, a hundred million cans of cans and bottles of beer uh i I think he said a year uh i mean just just an an incredible amount of beer is going out into the market but he's he's struggling and they they were going to they they bought land and they were going to open a brewery over on the east coast in roanoke Mm -hmm. virginia and he said that yeah we still own the land we have a tavern and we do uh, serve our beer there but right now they are not planning on starting a brewery there until they can kind of see how this market is going to play out and what their role in it is going to be. They don't. They don't want to dive in and have things just all of a sudden crumble where they're they're stuck with uh, you know having to either close down or sell off or or whatever might happen. So it's- sure, and I think this is a pretty pretty widespread feeling within a lot of the regionals, like you said. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of reason for it. I mean, they're getting squeezed on both ends, right? Mm-hmm. So. They have to fight both from from above and from the craft-ish, where you have AB and others that have have purchased purchased breweries mm-hmm. and are now now able to use scale in order to push them from the top with price, mm-hmm. yeah. and then they're also fighting the small ones like us mm-hmm. uh, from from the bottom. Who were trying to also grow market share mm-hmm. uh, in our own little ways, and so they're they're losing local share to small, um, small er and local er breweries, <laughs> and they are losing uh, losing from the top or being pressured from the top um, from the the craftish breweries that are that are owned by multinationals at the point. So yeah. it's it's um, this. This is really nothing new to the scene. I, I think what we're seeing now is uh, we're starting to see the difficulties becoming more apparent um, after you know the last several years of these dueling pressures. And so uh, I don't think that's a storyline that's going to go anywhere mm-hmm. anytime soon. I think I think being a regional uh, and a small regional is a really, really precarious position to mm-hmm. be in right now. Yeah. Um, you have to you have to know what you want to be and you have to be able to do that extremely well right now. Uh, and that's why you see a lot of them that are that are pulling back. And it yeah. doesn't mean that those brands are gonna go anywhere. It doesn't mean that they're gonna have to shut their doors or close, mm-hmm. but it means that they might have to change what they're they're trying to do. Uh, it also makes it really, really difficult for small guys like us mm-hmm. to to think about or to try to get into the the distribution game you know it's the scene is very very different than just a few years ago you know we've uh we've opened five thousand breweries in the last four years mm-hmm. right so you know you're talking about just go back a few years and there's this major boom happening but all of these breweries didn't exist and so tap tap handles were you know relatively pretty easy to come by people were clamoring for for craft beer because it was becoming really really popular again and so uh there was clear models to distribution and there was there was growth there for everybody and you know 
and uh, that was that was amazing. Uh, and people did really, 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 really well by it. And there's there's still distribution that's available. It's just now there's so many breweries, mm -hmm. and not just the breweries. I think consumers are changed, right? So there's there's something to the whole rotation nation thing mm -hmm. and the untapped check-ins and trying to find new beer all the time. It's more difficult today to go back to that old standard that you just used to pick up all the time because now you want to find that new thing and yeah. you want to talk about that new buzz and yeah. you want to find that new flavor and you want to find those <laughs> things. So you can't just put out the same exact beer and, and be able to, to produce. And so, um, you know, there, there are some that'll be able to do it and continue to do it and they're large enough and it's successful enough and whatever they, they're immune to it. But for a lot of them, um, you know, there's, there's going to be rocky roads ahead for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they are positioned financially and debt wise and all of this to be able to, to withstand it. Right. So a lot of the closings, especially with the big ones and all that, like they just got hammered at the wrong time, the mm -hmm. absolute worst time taking on major debt for expansion and all yeah. of this. And, and you can't meet those notes. And all of a sudden you, you go like there, there are going to be some really, really sad stories as far as that goes. Yeah. I hope the majority of them don't get hit the absolute worst point just like that. And it, it doesn't go that way. But yeah, it's a it's a different it's a different point. But people have seen it coming. Like these these large breweries, that, you know, they're 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 smart. Mm -hmm. um, they they know they've they've seen the writing on the wall for the last couple of years. And the ones that have been able to make this, like, so yeah, like good for them not opening that brewing in Roanoke when they really 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 wanted to, and it would have been amazing, and it was a big huge thing. But mm -hmm. you know, it probably would have meant that they would have, would have gone under. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. They, they didn't, and now hopefully they're going to be able to successfully pivot, successfully weather this, grow, change that brand, make the brand what they want it, and be successful for, for the next 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's, there's a lot of those. They, they have longevity. Um, they've, they've got a lot of things going for them. They have a presence. They've got a reputation for amazing beer. Mm -hmm. There's, they're fighting things that are really, really different than what we're trying to fight, right? So we are brand new. We're a year old. We have nothing to that. We're, we're just trying to build a reputation. Yeah. And yeah. so for, for them, we, we have a real, like, are we going to be able to be open a year from now? I, I sure yeah. hope as much. <laughs> like, we made it the first year. I want to think that the first year is probably the toughest. Yeah. But like, but it's still not to the point where it's like, we're not, we're not printing money. So it's trying to figure out like, we need to do things right to, to make it successful. They're in the same point. They're just, they have just bigger problems. Yeah. Right? They're just larger than, than we are. Um, but they still have issues. And so it's, it's humbling to think. And it's, it's humbling for us, especially with our kind of mantra of this whole corporate ladder thing and, and change, like getting out of the corporate world and all of that. At the end of the day, um, you know, it's every once in a while I have to step back and say, like, yeah, it's, it's still a business here too. And there are still decisions that we need to make in order to, to make sure that we remain open and can pay the bills and, and pay it. So it's fun uh, because, you know, we're, we're anti-corporate uh, in general, but we are still a business and we still, you know, I, I don't hide from the fact that we make, have to make money. <laughs> um, I just think that if we focus on making money is the wrong focus. Right? Yeah. So if we focus on other things, we, we, that'll take care of itself. But you know, it's, uh, we haven't been long, you know, around long enough to be like, yeah, it's like, we're, we're just going to make it, but how do we grow? It's like, no, we, we need to make sure that we keep the doors open. So it's, it's fun. They're just having different problems, but we all, we all have issues. Yeah. Um, the cool thing is though, there's 
a ton of people out there that are going to be loyal drinkers of craft beer and still still really appreciate what um, the beer and the industry stands for. And, and as long as that happens, I think we're going to be in general, we're going to be okay. So, um, Chris, why, why don't you go ahead and just uh, talk about some of the issues with the distributors that they mentioned. All right. So in the rest of the article, he says, I don't know if any of us are structured for this. Uh, nobody within the three-tiered system uh, nobody within the three-tiered system prepared for what is going on right now. Today, we have the fewest distributors, the most breweries, and consolidation in the chain business. We've prepared for this day. It's been seven years, but we've been very frugal, humble, and conservative. And in the chaos, uh, and I can't read today. <laughs> and in the chaos is our greatest opportunity. This is our time to shine. No Lie is working its way towards 17,000 barrels and upwards of $10 million in revenue, which is including their brew pub sales in 2019. And the overwhelming majority of its beer doesn't travel more than six hours away from its brewery by car. That wasn't always the case, however. In 2012, the company was selling beer in Colorado, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C. And at one point, the brand was available in more than 15 states. Mm. But as more breweries entered the fray over the next four years, No Lie opted to withdraw from multiple markets and focus on selling beer in the Pacific Northwest. As a result of retrenchment, No Lie has enjoyed larger profit margins and the opportunity to reinvest in new product innovations and people. A tighter distribution footprint also put the company in a position to acquire a secondary brewing facility last year, the former Oral... Orlison Brewing location, where it had already been contracting some production for less than it would have spent to build a new brewery from the ground up. It now has the space to brew about 30,000 barrels annually. Yeah, so another sign that, that this brewery saw, saw what was happening, saw that they needed to uh, rethink their strategy and, and pull out of all those states. Now, you know, it, it kind of goes against what most people think. Hey, we want to grow. We want to get out there. But they saw that that was, that was hurting them. And they went ahead and withdrew back in. Now they, like I said, they only mostly distribute within six hours driving. That's, you know, here in, in uh, the Boise area, we get their beer in Washington state and in Oregon that they, they probably get a little bit in Oregon, but not too much because a lot of, a lot of places don't like to go into Oregon because they already have a lot of great beer there that's hard to, to define their space on on those shelves, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought this was a a, a great uh, article that kind of shows how a, a company that makes fantastic beer. I love their beer. I drink a lot of their beer. Um, everything is fantastic. Uh, I haven't yet visited their brewery in Spokane, but uh, it's, it's on my my list of of breweries to visit when I pass through there next. But uh, but yeah, it's just a, it was a good story. Um, and it, it's not going to get any easier, like you know, like uh, Blake was saying. It's, it's, it's this is not going away. It's going to be tougher until some of these, uh, you know, breweries that are getting to that regional uh, size start realizing that hey, we need to make sure that we st we don't overextend ourselves. So we can stay strong, and and that uh, that ability has allowed them to to go ahead and pick up uh, for cheap. Uh, you know, another brewing site that, that that company went out of business, right? They they expanded too fast and they end up uh, having to shut down. And that just became no lies in their favorites. Okay. Sure. I think in general, you, just, you have to be excited with what the brewing industry 
where the brewing industry is right now. And despite the, the slower growth, we're still growing. Mm-hmm. And, and in general, you know, like we, yeah, we're not experiencing the otherworldly crazy 20% year over year growth that happened <laughs> a few, few years back, mm-hmm. but no industry out there can sustain that and, and keep it going. Right. We we're still experiencing just way considerably more openings than we are closings. The closings are, are ticking up a little bit, but we're still opening a thousand breweries a year. And, uh, and the vast, 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 vast majority of them are successful mm-hmm. for, you know, three to five years plus. And so we're talking about, it's still an industry that is, is extremely healthy, I think in, in the grand scheme of things and, and hopefully will remain. So, um, I just think everyone has to be smarter about it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's, it's maturing, right? So the industry is maturing. And so we're, we're out of just the actual crazy boom time. You can open anything. And it'll be a hundred percent successful anymore, but it shouldn't. Right. So we're like, again, going back to it, like we need good beer. Like it can't just be any beer. It has to be good beer. So let's, let's focus on being a mature industry. Let's focus on the right things. Uh, let's have the right people opening at this point. Let's have the right people succeeding at this point. Let's make sure that for, for everyone it works. And I think in general it is. Um, and that's, you know, hopefully what we're going to be looking for for the foreseeable future. Yes. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, I think, uh, I mean, definitely my focus has been uh, more on the, the more hyper-local, uh, you know, brew scene. Uh, but I've lately, because I, I have some breweries like the shoots uh, that I don't want to see disappear and I do love their beer and I do drink a lot of their beer but you know I've been making an effort now just to make sure that I can you know buy that extra six pack of black beet porter uh, you know get that fresh squeezed IPA you know uh, you know go ahead and pick up that uh, every so often just so I can let them know hey there's still people you know there's still good beer there's still mm-hmm. yeah it's still, it's good, still beer. good beer and, yeah. and i don't and i don't want it to go away because you know there's been breweries that i have really enjoyed that have gone under now because you know they didn't uh innovate you know they they were either trying to chase the the latest greatest thing and they weren't doing a very good job at it because they're you know they, they weren't going with it going uh at it with the the right mindset right they're just trying to oh this is the hyper thing i'm going to go and do these sours but then they do you know, bad sours or whatever. I I just don't want to see more of these breweries that I really enjoy just, you know, fade away. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's it. Okay. Well, you know what? We have been chatting for a long time, Blake. I really, really appreciate you sticking around for, for two hours. So before we get any longer, let's go ahead and, uh, and close this show out. But before we do that, let's go ahead and, and we have a chance to, uh, to raise a glass to anyone we'd like to raise a glass to. So Blake, is there anyone you'd like to raise a glass to uh, tonight? Give a cheers. Um, I will raise a glass to, to you fine gentlemen for, for having me on here. And then also just raise a glass to my whole, whole staff and everyone that works here at corporate that makes it what it is. And all of our customers that, that loyally come out here and um, enjoy not only our company, but our beer. Yeah, that, that's great. I'll raise a glass for that myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cheers. How about you, Chris? 
so yeah, I want to, Blake, definitely want to raise a glass to you, my friend. Thank you for having us in here. Thank you for the beer. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to spend with us, taking a couple hours out of your evening. And uh, yeah, you guys definitely have an awesome staff. Everybody who I've, I've met down here, well, that's been, I know three of you guys now. So <laughs> cool. James, yeah, Adam, going. and you. <laughs> it's about half of us, okay. so it works. So I, I've met at least half of your staff. Uh, you guys have an awesome thing going in here. So cheers to you guys. and. Cheers to uh, many more years of success. Appreciate it. Yeah. Danny, what about you? Yeah, I just want to repeat what you said, Chris. Uh, Blake, it, it truly was a, a fantastic conversation that we had. I really, I was, I'm always worried when I bring people on if, uh, if they're going to, you know, feel comfortable enough to open up and talk or I have to try to drag stuff out. You know what? You have no problem uh, chatting away uh, on a podcast. So you're, you're a natural. So I really appreciate, I appreciate that. that. I hope I wasn't too soapboxy. <laughs> no, 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 you're no, you're fine. You're fine. But uh, yeah, I just want to raise my glass to you and to your brewery. Everything that I've heard tonight just makes me really excited to see uh, you guys succeed and, uh, and and continue to make good beer and make those experiences for your patrons that that they'll really remember for uh, many years to come. Uh, so I just want to raise my glass to that and. Uh, also, uh, again, being a former serviceman, I always want to raise my glass to all those who are have served and who are serving in our U.S. military. Uh, I, cheers to you. I want you guys to come home safe to your families uh, very soon. And Chris, why don't you go ahead and raise a glass to our sponsors? Sure. I want to raise a glass to B Cups, the supplier of outdoor craft beer cups, for partnering up with us, and I encourage our listeners to go visit their site at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S dot net. Or you can check out the other things that they have going on at fermentedreality.com. And check out the world's first full line of style-specific plastic beer cups for people on the go. Whether hanging out on the beach, by the pool, hiking the wilderness, or even enjoying some time on the boat, B-Cups are great for any place where you can't use standard glassware. Also, check out our friends over at Tavor. To use the promo code tap the craft which is all one word they will give any new user a ten dollar credit after they spend twenty five dollars all right and you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com and if you'd like to follow us on social media i can be found on twitter instagram and untapped at loose screw and chris how can our follower listeners follow you you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82, or you can find me on untapped and Instagram at MCK one, three, four, five. And you can always find me on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash tap the craft. All right, Blake, do you want to give out uh, your Facebook uh, and Instagram links? Sure. You can find us at Facebook uh, corporate ladder brewing and same on Instagram corporate ladder brewing. All right, go follow them uh, and, and, and pay attention to all their great events and stuff they got going on. I really enjoyed uh, visiting your page. So I, I hope our listeners go and fi find you too and come visit when they do their beer travels. That'd be does, great. James, does James do all your photos too? Or he's doing most of them at that point. Yeah. Cause those are awesome. Yeah. Thank you. He does an awesome job. Yeah. He, he does. He's, he's a rock star. Huh. All right. It is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening. We ask you to please tell a friend. And of course, Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.